our passage this morning is Deuteronomy verses uh, 20 to, chapter 22. As we finish out this chapter over 28 to 30. Deuteronomy 22 verses 28 and 30, through 30. You know, I think um, as we're as you're turning to that, I, I want you to consider, I think most of us have heard John Piper's famous, famous quote that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. It's, it's been going around the church for, for several years. And, and of course, we, we know, we understand what, what, this, what this quote's saying. What Piper was not saying is that when we are satisfied in God, that we make God more glorious. There, there, it's not like that we can do something to make God more glorious. That, 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 that's, just, that's just impossible. God is infinitely glorious. And so there's nothing we can do to add to the glory of God. The point is that when we are satisfied in God, we reveal God. We show God as glorious. We show that we believe that God is glorious. When we are most satisfied in God, we are proclaiming to the Lord a glorious God. And we do that through our actions and through our, our thoughts and in our lives. Well, this morning, I want you to recognize, though, that the converse of this statement is also true. God is revealed or seen as most base or the least glorious when we are the least satisfied in Him. When our actions, our lives proclaim to the world that God is not glorious through our satisfaction in other things. There's no middle ground. There's no neutral area here. We are either proclaiming God as glorious with our lives and actions, or we are proclaiming there's more satisfaction, there's more joy in the world than in God. That's it. And what does this mean for us? Now please understand, even as we look at this, Psalm 51 is a great psalm. That when we come to this, that there is forgiveness here. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. There is forgiveness. It's not about reading and finding out our, our sins and, and being defeated by this. It is about reading and finding out our sins and rejoicing in the forgiveness that's found in God and living in that forgiveness. So I hope this morning as we, as we look at this, I hope you know the, the experience that I've, I've talked about so much about that David Brainerd shared in his diary. My favorite, one of my favorite excerpts from David Brainerd's diary is he tells about the time when he was riding along on his horse and started thinking about his sin and his wickedness. And he was so overcome that he literally fell from his horse, he said. Overcome by his sin and, his, and, and just the depravity of his soul. And he considered the forgiveness he had in Christ. And I love his final quote. Oh, what a sweet time of worship it was. That's, that's our, my goal. That's my, my prayer for us this morning that we will have a sweet time of worship this morning.
Deuteronomy 22, verses 28 through 30. Let's look at this as we consider this passage and what this means to us. Deuteronomy 22, 28. If a man meets a virgin who is not betrothed and seizes her and lies with her, and they are found, then the man who lay with her shall give to the father of the young woman fifty shekels of silver, and she shall be his wife because he has violated her. He may not divorce her all of his days. A man shall not take his father's wife so that he does not uncover his father's nakedness. As we continue to un- unpack this, this, this word from Deuteronomy, this, 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 that you shall not commit adultery, as we continue to unpack this and just what this means for us, you know, we started this section on the sixth word, that you shall not commit adultery, by discussing, believe it or not, our dress. If you can remember back two or three weeks ago. We started this. To, 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 to look at, 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 at adultery, we started with a discussion of the way we dress. And, and just even our very appearance. And how important this was. And we said that adultery was a single-minded, was, was, was a lack of a single-minded devotion to God. And we saw this in, in, in verses 9 through 12 of this chapter. Remember, we, we, to read these again, verses Deuteronomy 22, 9 through 12. You shall not sow your vineyard with two kinds of seed, lest the whole field be forfeited. The crop that you have sown and the yield of the, heart of the vineyard. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. You shall not wear cloth of wool and linen mixed together. You shall make for yourself tassels on the four, four corners of the garment with which you cover yourself. And I said that this is about adultery. This, this, this passage, this is where in, in, in the, the, the divisions of Deuteronomy, this is where we transition from that fifth word to that sixth word, and this is about adultery. And, and, and it was about what does it look like to have a, a single-mindedness, a, a devotion to God that's set upon him and him only? What does that look like in our lives? And I said it's so... Much a part of us is even reflected in the way we dress and the way we live out our lives. And over the last two sermons, I hope you've seen that, that adultery is more than just an extramarital affair, but more than that, I hope you've seen this section that, 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 that this repeatedly is about how adultery leads to death. That there's a very core of this that there's a death element of this and we saw this in verse 26 last week for in this case it's like that of a man attacking and murdering his neighbor we're talking about adultery here and Moses writes this this is like murder this is serious this is death and you know it's so tempting for us to look at, look at what we wear and think, well, how can this be so serious? How, how can the same idea about the way you dress be compared to murder? And it is. My prayer is, by the end of the sermon, you can answer that question. How is it? Can, can, can what we wear be so serious that it can be a sin that leads to death? And if so, why? And how about playing the lottery? I mean, it's a, victim, it, it, it's a victimless activity. Can that be a sin? 
that, that's so horrible that it leads to death? I mean, it may not be the best, but is it really that bad? I hope and pray this. We look at this, this passage this morning that we have a better understanding of, of, of why the Bible says, no, God, this is about adultery. It's about death. And I hope this drives us more and more to God's grace and the forgiveness found in Christ. To answer this question, I think we need to look at these two very brief sections in, in Deuteronomy 22. In the first one, first kind of pericope we have in 28, we have the story of, of a man who meets a virgin who is not betrothed. This woman has not been committed to someone. So in verse 28, if a man meets a virgin who is not betrothed and seizes her and lives with her, and they are found. And then once again, to make sure we understand what is happening in this passage, that we understand what's going on. This woman who is, who is not committed to another man, she is still in her father's house. She is still under his roof. She is still to, about committed to her father. And a man lies with her. And, and there, there is some ambiguity in the circumstances behind this action. We, we're, um, we had a, quite, a, quite a discussion about that yesterday. Um, in our debate, he sees her, and, and just what this means, uh, if it's rape, we know she didn't cry, uh, so which would indicate c- consent, as we kind of looked at last week. But w- w- we do know that they're discovered. This is what, w- what the scripture is very clear on. They are discovered in their, in their immorality. They are discovered in their adultery. Here is this man and this woman who is under her father's house are discovered in this, in this activity. And upon discovery, the man is to pay the father a fine for his action. Some Jewish scholars, according to the Enduring Word Commentary, point out that this fine is to be paid above the cost of the diary. That there's a diary, but above that, there's a fine of 50 shekels, which is a pretty hefty fine. In Numbers 3, verse 46, it says, In the redemption price for the firstborn of Israel... Uh, the males was five shekels per head. So the redemption price for a man was five shekels. This is a 50 shekel fine. This, this, this is not just, oh, you write a check for it. This, this is hefty. In, in number seven, the whole tribe, so the whole tribe of Reuben, some 200,000 people were to give a, a, a price to, to, for the building of the temple that was equivalent to 200 shekels. So when you hear the word 50 shekels, you have to understand this, this, is, this is huge. Over and above the dowry. And so this, this is what he is to give to the father. He has, he has laid with this, this woman who is unbetrothed in her father's house. And as a fine to the father, he gives him his 50 shekels. And he is to marry her and take care of her her entire life. Now, side note, we talked yesterday. This, re- this reads slightly different than the law that is written in Exodus 22, verse 16 and 17. In that passage, very kind of a, a parallel to this, it says, If a man seduces a virgin who is not betrothed, so again, she's in her father's house, and lies with her, he shall give the bride price for her and make her his wife, 
And if, and if the father utterly refuses to give, it, give her to him, he shall pay the money equal to the bride price for the virgins. So, so basically it kind of goes on the idea that the price has to be paid whether you marry him or not, but it's up to the father. The father has the right to refusal in, that, uh, in Exodus. Um, which, which doesn't seem to be the case here in Deuteronomy. But it's not about the... I, I want to point out, I don't see this as a contradiction. Instead, I see it as a matter of focus. The passage here in Deuteronomy is not focused on the relationship of the man and the virgin. Instead, the focus is upon the fine that is to be paid to the father. The focus is on the father and what this is, and, and, and what is owed to the father. So this passage in Deuteronomy is about the father. The fine is paid to him. He is the offended party in this passage. He is the one who, 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 who the young man is to give his fine to. And, and I'm not making a lot of the sexual sin. There is definitely a sin taking place. And there is definitely a source of death for that sin. But the offended party here is the father. And I think verse 30 strengthens this argument. For in this verse, in Deuteronomy 22 verse 30, it says, The man shall not take his father's wife, so that he does not uncover his father's nakedness. And I think that the events of this text are fairly clear. But, it, but I think a more literal translation would actually help us in our understanding. It's a, a, a kind of a literal translation. A man shall not take a woman of his father. For the word here can be either wife or woman. And it's the same word that's used in Genesis 2 when we're talking about the creation of, of Eve. A woman. There's another Hebrew word that just means wife, but it's not being used here. So, so when a man takes a woman of his father, this, this woman belongs to his father, that, that, that um, it, it, there's judgment here. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a judgment call, whether it's a woman or a wife. But it's not really the issue. The point is the direction of the sin. The man is not to do this because it violates the woman. That's, that's, not, that's not the point here. No, he's to do this because this uncovers the father's nakedness. Literally, the, the term is, that you don't do this because this lifts up the skirt of the father. The picture of this is, is literally coming and taking the hem of his robe and lifting it up and exposing him to the world. It's exposing him, and it's humiliating him, and it's dishonoring him to the world. And a point of clarification, the words here are used are completely different from the action the words used in Genesis 9. Of course, it was the story of Noah. Of course, there's a lot of similarities, but the same result, but a different description in the Hebrew. So in here, he said... The man who, who, who lays with the woman of, the, of his father, in doing this, what you're doing is you're going and you're taking the father's hymn and you're picking them up and you're exposing to the world and saying, look, there's the father. And you're showing him in a, in a debased, humiliating picture to the whole world. He said, you shouldn't do this. This is, this is the nature of your sin. This is the nature of adultery. This is what adultery looks like. Adultery is taking the, the hymn of the Father and holding it up and exposing him to the world and saying, Look, 
for mockery. And I think we in the 21st century have a hard time understanding this. Why is the fine paid to the father? Why is the sin showing the father is dishonorable? I mean, these actions have nothing to do with the father. They're completely separate from the father, aren't they? I mean, it's between a man and a woman, between a man and a virgin. It's not about the father. But for us to understand the seriousness of the sin, we must see sin just as the Holy Spirit moved in David when he wrote in Psalm 51 after being confronted by Nathan over his sin of adultery with Bathsheba. We need to see sin this seriously. We need to have that same picture that David had. When David wrote, For I know my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. I mean, part of me wants to ask, what do you mean, David, against you? You only have I sinned. What about Bathsheba? Wasn't she sinned against? What about Uriah? Wasn't he sinned against? Absolutely. Please don't hear me say that this had, it was not a fin, but, but David said, for you to understand the seriousness of your sin, you need to understand what this did to the Father. You need to understand what this, what, that you quit and you picked up the Father's robes and you exposed him as less than satisfactory. And you need to see that as serious. Of course those sins are, against others are heinous, need to be sins heinous. But like murder, they are wrong because of God, not because of man. Murder is wrong because it is an attack upon the image of God. Adultery is wrong because it proclaims that we find joy and satisfaction in something other than God. And we need to see it that way. Against you, God the Father, have I sinned. And this really comes down to the very nature of sin. What is sin? Listen once again to the words of Isaiah 55 that we read earlier. Isaiah 55, 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the water, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently, diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in rich food. Why? Why do you spend money for what does not satisfy? Why do you why do you reach out and grab for that that doesn't fill you? Find your satisfaction in God alone. Because to not do that is sin. Romans 1.22 Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God with images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. This is sin. This is sin. This is sin when you take the glory that is due God and you give it to something else. And that's a very heart of our adultery. 
we take the glory that is due God and God alone and we give it to others. Romans 1.25 They exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. And just so we really get it, Paul goes on in verse 28. And since they did not see to did not see fit to acknowledge God as God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. This is sin. This is what sin is. The horrible actions that we do to one another, those are the symptoms. Those are, those are the symptoms. Of, but our sin is not seeing God as glorious, not living that way and not proclaiming Him as glorious. Finding our satisfaction in something else. Our sin is giving the glory that belongs to God to others. And when we do this, we are displaying God as less than glorious. We are lifting His hymn and displaying him as if he were naked in our actions. And we need to tremble at this church. We need to tremble at this. We should see this. And, and, and we, we, need, we need to, to see. Th- I need to see this. Not we. I need to see this. I need to see my sins as that horrible. As we kind of conclude this, I want you to think for just looking real briefly with at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So take a minute and please turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. As we go through this chapter really fast, and, and, and I want you to take a moment to go through this. So we, and I want you to do this so we can get an idea of the seriousness of our sins. The seriousness of our finding, our delight, our satisfaction in something other, other than God. This is not a, a trivial issue. This is a big issue. Church, we need to understand what this looks like in our lives. We begin this chapter. Paul's writing to, of how the children of Israel are a picture for us. He wants us to make it very clear. You need to look at this and understand this is for us. And he tries to make it very, very clear that their lives and deaths are a warning to us. They are a warning. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers fall into the cloud and all pass through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in, in the cloud and, and sea. And they, they all ate the same spiritual food. And they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. You understand that, we're, that this is a picture about what it looks like to know Christ. We're not talking about a different time, a different age. We're not talking about Old Testament. He said, that's a picture for us, church. I don't want you to be unaware. Nevertheless, most of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. They were overthrown, they were defeated. In the wilderness. They were defeated there. What do you mean they were defeated? They lost the battle. They lost the battle to unbelief. Unbelief won. 
they were overthrown in the wilderness. But wait, they drank from the spiritual rock that was Christ. They were overthrown. Paul goes on verse eleven or verse six to eleven and gives some specific examples. And I want you one of the note, I want you to look at these that that none of these had anything to do with meat offered to idols. I mean there's a there's a temptation to read this and say, Well, Paul's just talking about meat offered to idols. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's talking about any kind of sin. Anything that 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 that, that allows that we come in our life and allows us to show that we get more pleasure from that than from God. And I, I think the text will bear that out. Verse 6. Now these things took place as an example for us. Can anybody, can anybody question whether, whether Paul means for us to read this as an example at this point? I mean, it's kind of, I think he's making it pretty clear. This is an example for us. Oh, it's just for them. He's not really talking about us, right? And we're, we're, man, we're 2,000 years from that. We're in a different age. It's, it's not about for us. That was for those Corinthians, right? No, it's for us. Now, these things took place as an example for us that we might, des- we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written... The people sit down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happen as an example. They were written down for our instructions on whom... The end of the age has come. Paul said, this is for us. I I really don't think Paul could be more clear that this is an example for us today. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Avoid avoid pride. Be wary. Be be careful. Let this overtake you. Because this could be you. I think he, he tried to make this very clear for us. No temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he also provides the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. And we know we, how many times does the Bible equate idolatry and, and adultery? And then in verse 15 through 22, Paul uses one specific example to make his point about meat offered to idols. But then he winds his focus way out to include, to include everything. Notice in, in verse 23, all things are lawful for us, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build, up, build us up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Is playing the lottery lawful? Yes. But the question is not, are you playing it? The question is, are you doing it to the glory of God? 
Because he says in verse 31, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do you dress this morning for the glory of God? Is that, is that what you dress with? Is that what, is that, are these, are these, the, is that the, the focus of this, of your life? The series is not found in our actions. The issue is, who are we looking to for joy and satisfaction? Who are we looking to please? Who is it? Is it, is it just yourself, others, or, or is it about God? Finally, chapter 11, verse 1. It's almost kind of interesting. It's like the translators really don't want to do it this verse, isn't it? You know, they don't want to put it part of the next uh, uh, level, so kind of break it off. It's almost by itself here. But I really think it's, it's part of this, this section where Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. This is, this is the picture. This is what we're looking for. This is how we're to live out. This is what we're to, 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 to follow out. This is that, as we talked about in, in, in Ephesians, this is our, 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 our being made according to that likeness. This is what this looks like in his image, being an imitator of Christ. See, Christ is the one that perfectly honored the Father. He is the one who completed this. He is the one who perfectly glorified the Father. John 17, 4. I glorified you. I lived my whole life to your glory. I lived my whole life as you were glorious. Having accomplished the work that you gave me to do, Christ proclaims to his Father, I glorified you on earth. Having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And so this is our forgiveness. He did it. He, he, he fulfilled it perfectly. He is our, that, that blood, is, as, as Tommy prayed. <laughs> the forgiveness is found in him. But we are still to be an imitator of him. This is our goal. This is our desire. And we do this by faith. You know, what you say is, as Jack was, was talking about, he shared that he, when he talked to the, to the kids about this, one of the ways he would try to get them to understand, for, for, for them to understand just the seriousness of this, he gave them the, the story of, of, of a, a husband coming home and finding the wife sitting on, on the couch with a stranger. Well, they're just sitting on the couch. There's no problem with that, is there? The father comes home from work and walks in, and there's his wife and another man sitting on the couch together. They're just sitting there. There's no problem with that. Yeah, there is. And, and Moses takes that picture and he says, I want you to understand just how bad this is. You're adultery. You're, 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 you're looking for pleasure. You're looking for satisfaction for somewhere other than God. It's taking the Father's hymn and pulling it up and exposing him to the world. He said, there's the Father. We need to see that as serious, church. We do.
and we consider and I consider the, my life and, and just the, the times when this week today Where would we be without the blood of Christ? Because mm. we are so, so wicked and depraved. But we rejoice that we have a Savior who forgives us. And, and, for, <clears throat> and, and, and by his grace and his grace only. <clears throat> but may we never, ever, ever, ever become content with where we are. May we never get to the point of saying, I'm there, I'm, I'm good. Man, I, I've drunk from the spiritual rock. I've ate the spiritual bread. I'm good. And just sit and rest and be comfortable there. Please, we be like the example that Paul used in 1 Corinthians. May we always seek to be that imitator of Christ who says, oh, that I would be, oh, that I could look at God and say, God, by your grace, I gave you glory on earth. Oh, that may that be our passion and our desire this morning. And the way we dress, and the way we talk, and the way we share with one another, in the way we deal with with the conflicts, and the way we deal with the pain, the way we, we we interact with one another, the way we love one another, the way we encourage one another. Maybe in all these things, we're saying, oh, we do this not for your good, but so that God may see is glorious. For He is glorious. Let's pray. God, all the times when I have seen my sins as so light and trivial. I ask God that you would, by your grace, help me to see the the depths of this. Of, your, of my sin, of, of when my life, through, through my reaction to others, my concern, when I show you as less than glorious. God, may I be changed by your grace, be renewed in the spirit of the mind by your work. And Lord, I, I pray, God, by your grace. Continue to walk after you.